Well, good morning. I, uh, of course, was downstairs preaching in the gathering service, um, but here I am now with you to talk about something that I believe is very significant, in fact, perhaps of supreme significance in this holiday season in which we find ourselves. I uh, saw an item once out of the Associated Press, came from a town of St. Albans, West Virginia, talked about their community holiday display. Now, the holiday display had some familiar elements. It had a manger, a stable, shepherds, palm trees, and that sort of thing. But what it did not have was a baby Jesus, or Martha, or excuse me, uh, Mary, or Joseph. They weren't there. And the park superintendent at the time, uh, Mr. David Cunningham, said that the reason those things weren't there was because they were concerned about getting in trouble over the separation of church and state. So they left out what was really the namesake of the holiday. The Christ was not there as they celebrated Christmas. In a town, by the way, named after a Christian, a Christian saint, St. Alban. We say, well, how ridiculous is that? Christmas without Christ? And yet I wonder whether we might ourselves not be in danger of doing something frighteningly similar. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Here we are at the beginning of what for many is the busiest month of the year, the month of Christmas. Because there are Christmas cards and Christmas parties and Christmas musicals and Christmas parades and Christmas shopping and Christmas presents and Christmas wrapping and Christmas dinner and on and on we go. There's so much to do. It sometimes seems as though we don't have a moment to catch our breath. And we can even find ourselves at the end of the month of December just grateful that we got through another Christmas season. Glad that it's over. We're so busy with so many things. One year when Paula and I were in seminary, we went to Oklahoma to visit our families and I counted we had seven different holiday gatherings to attend over the course of three days. That's how it is at Christmas time, isn't it? We get so caught up in the busyness of the holiday, we miss the whole point of the holiday itself. In a month when our attention ought to be more focused on Christ because it's Christmas, we can be less focused on Christ because it's Christmas. We get frustrated by our busyness. We can have a, a deficit in our true devotion because of our busyness. So this morning, I want us to look at a passage of Scripture that has a really timely lesson for us as we enter into the month of December 2022. It underscores how you can get so caught up in doing even a good thing that you can miss out entirely on the best thing. The text is found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. And while you turn there, let me tell you that what we're going to read about takes place in a little town called Bethany, about two miles outside of Jerusalem on the road to Jericho. 
And in that village lived a man named Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. And Luke doesn't tell us much about the family in this passage, but if we read the other Gospels together with this passage, we learn a few things about them. They either were at this point or became very good friends of Jesus. Jesus loved them. They loved Him. At one point, Lazarus died, and Jesus went there and raised Him from the dead. If you know the story, you're aware of that. Whenever Jesus went to Jerusalem, He would apparently stay with this family just a couple of miles down the road in Bethany. And on the occasion of this story in Luke chapter 10, Jesus is dining in the home of Martha. So let's look together at Luke 10, verses 38 to 42. And if you would, please stand with me for the reading of the Word of God. <clears throat> the Bible tells us, beginning in verse 38, that as Jesus and His disciples were on their way, He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to Him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what He said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Thank you. Please. Take your seats. As we look at this text, we find that it was Martha who issued the invitation to Jesus, but Mary is the first sister described in this text. And Mary is pictured as a good disciple of Jesus, a learner, a student of Jesus. It says there in verse 39 that Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what He said. And that in itself is remarkable because Mary was a woman. I. Howard Marshall in his commentary says, For a Jewish audience it would be of great significance that a place was given to women by Jesus not simply to do domestic duties in the church, but to listen and learn. And that's exactly what Mary was doing according to the Scripture. Mary had put into practice what was taught in the oral law of the Jews. It was later recorded in the Mishnah. It says, Let your house be a meeting house for the sages, and sit amid the dust of their feet, and drink in their words with thirst. That's exactly a picture of Mary in this instance. She was drinking in the words of Jesus with a thirst and, and a hunger that only He could satisfy. In fact, Mary's concern was to be fed by Jesus so much that she took no thought as to what might be fed to Jesus or even what she herself might eat. Perhaps Mary had heard Jesus on some occasion say what Luke records a bit later in his gospel. Jesus says, don't set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Don't worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek His kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. That's what Mary was doing, wasn't she? 
She loved Jesus. She demonstrated her love by her devotion. In what may be another account of the same event in Jesus' life, John in his gospel tells us that Mary anointed Jesus with ointment and wiped her feet, his feet with her hair. In John 12 it says, There in Bethany they made Jesus a supper. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at table with him. Mary took a pound of costly ointment of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the ointment. Mary wanted to demonstrate her love of Jesus and her devotion to Jesus, so she did it extravagantly. And John says that Judas, the disciple who would later betray Jesus, took exception to her extravagance and complained about it. And Jesus had to come to Mary's defense. But it wasn't the only time Jesus had to come to Mary's defense that evening. If Mary was a good disciple, her sister Martha was a good hostess. In fact, she was a great hostess. The name Martha is related to the Aramaic word for master. And Martha was certainly the mistress of her household. She had everything where it should be. She was concerned about the details and the preparations and all of that. And she was good at it. In fact, you could say that Martha was Martha Stewart before there was a Martha Stewart. That was Martha. That was her hosting ability. She was able to do what needed to be done. And Luke says that it was her house. She was probably a, a widow, maybe a widow of Simon the leper. In Matthew 26 and Mark 14, there is recorded an anointing of Jesus as taking place in Bethany at the house of someone known as Simon the leper. Perhaps Martha was his widow. Martha was a good hostess, and every church needs some Marthas, doesn't it? I mean, we, we have some in our church, and they're great at it. And I, I love the fact that they can do that. They can, you can let them have the responsibility. They'll take care of it, make sure it gets done. Every church needs Marthas. She made the arrangements. She attended to details. She was conscious of the needs of others, and she took action to meet those needs, to help. In short, Martha was a great volunteer. Every church needs them. And Martha loved Jesus too, just as Mary loved Jesus. And she was loved by Jesus just as much as Mary was. Martha, in fact, was the first of the two sisters to go out to meet Jesus when Jesus came to Bethany after Lazarus died. Now, she may have done it partly out of a sense of etiquette as when a host greets a guest at the door because Martha was always a proper hostess. But she did it also because she recognized Jesus' lordship. She recognized who he was. She recognized his power over life and death. She loved him and she wanted to see him because she recognized him. And on the lips of Martha is one of the strongest confessions of faith in the Bible. In John eleven twenty seven, 27, 
Martha says to Jesus, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, He who is coming into the world. Martha was a good woman, a good hostess. She loved, she served Jesus. But there was just one little flaw in Martha's makeup here that we seem to see in this text. And that is that Martha's concerns were off-center, if you will. They were a bit misplaced. Verse 40 says that Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Isn't she a great illustration of how easy it is to get distracted from important things by comparatively unimportant things? Martha was so distracted by feeding Jesus, she didn't have any time to be fed by Jesus. She was distracted by details. She was preoccupied with the preparations, and it kept her from what was truly important. That is a particular danger to Christians at Christmas time. We can fall into the same trap ourselves. We can become so distracted by the preparations for the holiday that we miss the preeminent purpose of the holiday. Martha was so distracted by the fact that she had a guest in her home, she seems to have forgotten just who that guest was and what he had to offer. Like so many of us, Martha had a long to-do list, but if listening to Jesus was on that list, it was somewhere pushed down toward the bottom, unfortunately. And because of that, because Martha was so caught up in these distractions of the preparations and, 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 and the, the, the things that were beginning to overwhelm her, she became Martha the frustrated hostess. She was overwhelmed. She, she needed help. She wanted help. Either that or she was just jealous of the fact that Mary was in there sitting with Jesus while she was out in the kitchen doing all the work. She was overwhelmed with the responsibility, so she went to Jesus for help. Now that is a good thing. When we find ourselves overwhelmed, when we find ourselves overextended, stretched too thin, it is wise of us to turn to Jesus for help. Because Jesus will help us regain our perspective on what's really important and what really isn't. He will calm our spirits, as He seems to do even in this case with Martha. It was good that she went to Jesus, but her first words are, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care? You ever find yourself saying those words to Jesus? Lord, I'm, I'm serving you. I'm, I'm, I'm teaching Sunday school. I'm on three different committees. I'm volunteering for all of the activities down at the church. I'm even going to the, to the benevolence agencies in town and, and, and preparing the Thanksgiving meals and all of these kinds of things. And Lord, it's just, it's just got me overwhelmed. Don't you care? I don't know about you, but I found myself saying those words at certain times in the past. I think it's something as human beings we are inclined toward. And it can be the result of doing good things. You know, when it says that Martha was distracted by the preparations in verse 40, that word preparations comes from the same root where we get our word deacon. 
uh, and diakonos. It means ministry. It means serving. It's what deacons do. It's what servants do. She was distracted by that. In fact, the Revised Standard Version translates it, much serving. She was distracted by much serving. Doing good things, but missing out on the best thing. She says, Lord, don't you care that I'm engaged in all of this so much serving without any help? Tell her to help me, she says. Now, I don't know if you recognize the irony in that. See, she comes to Jesus, she calls him Lord, and then turns around and tells him what to do. How many of us are guilty of that? It's an interesting contrast there between Martha, who tells Jesus what he must say to Mary, and Mary, who listens to what Jesus wants to say to her. So as Martha stands there in her apron with the flower all over her face and, and one thing in one hand and something else in another, overburdened, overextended, frustrated, Jesus says, Martha, Martha. We can almost hear him, can't we? It's a gentle rebuke. It expresses a bit of Jesus' frustration with Martha, I suppose, that, that she's just not getting it. Jesus says, Martha, you're troubled by so many things, and just one thing is needed. Just one thing is necessary. Just one thing is essential. There's an old movie you've probably seen, City Slickers. Uh, in that movie, Jack Palance plays a character named Curly, who's a uh, a, a crusty old cowhand who's now working at a dude ranch where the city slickers go out to, to vacation. And he's sitting with one of those city slickers named Mitch, played by Billy Crystal, when he gives him a piece of advice. He says, you city folk, you spend 50 weeks a year getting knots in your rope, and you think two weeks here will untie them for you. None of you get it. He said, the secret of life is just one thing. Mitch says, well, what is it? What is the one thing? And Curly says, that's what you've got to figure out. Have you figured out yet what is that one thing that Jesus is talking about in this text? The one thing that is essential, necessary, indispensable in our lives and for all of eternity. Or have you been too busy chasing after so many other things, maybe even good things, that you've been missing out on the best thing? Almost 20 years ago, according to the Reuters News Service, an Italian man who was living on his old age pension gave in to the temptation to buy a lottery ticket for what had become, to that time, the biggest jackpot in European lottery history. 66 million euros, which is, euros are worth more than dollars. So it was a big jackpot. But in the hubbub on the day that the lottery winning numbers were announced, this man was preoccupied with the details of his daughter's wedding. 
He was the father of the bride. He had responsibilities that he had to oversee and take care of, apparently. And in the middle of all that wedding chaos, the father of the bride forgot to check his lottery ticket. And according to Italian news agencies, by the time he realized he had guessed the correct six-figure number, the deadline for claiming the jackpot of a lifetime had passed. A phenomenal prize was right there within his reach, and he had let it get away. The man who naturally wanted to remain anonymous in the face of his mistake nearly fainted when he discovered his error and in fact had to be hospitalized for a short time in order to recover. Such was his shock over what he had missed. I could say to you, don't let that happen to you this Christmas or any other time. Jesus was telling Martha, Martha Mary has discovered what that one best thing is, and she has chosen it. Martha was distracted. She was letting the, the important things distract her from the most important thing, and she was missing it. When you discover that Christ is that one best thing that life is about, Put Him at the center of your life. Everything else will take care of itself if you remember to keep Jesus at the center. Someone once said, life is like a merry-go-round. The faster it goes, the more important it is to stay focused on the center. Because, you know, if you've ridden a merry-go-round, if you stand in the center... It can get faster and faster and faster. You may get a little dizzy, but you're going to be okay. You're not going to fall off. But if you get out there on the periphery of that merry-go-round, you'd better hang on for dear life, or it'll sling you uh, farther than you want to be slung. When Jesus came to the house of Martha and Mary, as one of my seminary professors wrote in a commentary he published on this text, Martha's concern was to be a proper hostess, Mary's to be a proper disciple. Martha was doing good things, but she was missing the point. And Jesus said to Martha, Martha, Mary has chosen what is better. This Christmas... And every day, really, you face a choice between good things and the absolutely best thing. Don't get so distracted by the good things that you miss the best thing, which is our Lord Jesus Himself. Pray with me. Father, we thank You for the great gift uh, that you have given us. On that first Christmas, that gift revealed in the stable in Bethlehem, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This Christmas, as we celebrate that, help us, God, to stay focused on why we celebrate that and who we celebrate. 
we are engaged in a lot of good things. Just yesterday, we, we as a church had opportunity to witness of your love to thousands of people in downtown Johnson City with our Christmas float and the parade. And we pray, God, that they received that message, that they learned of your love. But God, may we not get so concerned about those things that we forget why we do those things. Remind us this Christmas of your love shown to us in Jesus Christ. May we be not only good hosts and hostesses, but may we be good disciples as well. We pray this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.